that you are here in worship with us today. I am Pastor Jennifer Casey. I bring you greetings on behalf of Pastor David Hoffman, our preacher of the day, along with Pastor Bob Thomas, our pastor emeritus. As we begin our time together, I'd like to remind you that you can find an online bulletin, a chance to register your attendance, share your prayer concerns, and give financially on our website, stonybrook.church. Um, also, you may notice in your bulletin packet the connection cards are back. If you'd like to do any of those things that I just mentioned on the connection card, you can do so. Just make sure you write your name in at the top uh, and then drop it in the offering basket on your way out. If you've been with Stony Brook for any length of time, you'll already know that this uh, used to be a practice of ours that we're bringing back on the back of the connection card. We list upcoming events and uh, classes and other things like that for you to uh, indicate your interest in RSVP. So make sure you take a look at the back of the connection card today as well. In addition, I'd like to draw your attention to some ministry opportunities that we have. The staff is so excited to share with you all that we are planning an evening at Stony Brook. This will be happening on Sunday, September 12th from 4 to 7. It's going to be an outside event, and it's going to feature all things that were designed to nourish your body and your soul. So this includes a catered barbecued meal, uh, live performance by our very own Stony Brook musicians, great conversation and fun games for all. Now the space is limited for this event, so if you could RSVP your uh, interest in attending, that would be appreciated. You can do that on the back of the connection card or by going online to stonybrook.church. I just want to remind you, I hope you haven't forgotten, it's almost time to sing and ring. The chancel choir and sanctuary bells are gearing up for their new season, and it starts this Wednesday uh, at 6.30 with a dessert potluck. It's going to be outside. You're invited to come and then join for a rehearsal, choir rehearsal, or bell choir rehearsal after the dessert potluck. So if you have uh, questions about any of that, you can contact Jeff Shellhammer, our director of traditional music or Lori Adler, our director of our, um, our sanctuary bells. As the school year has begun, we are looking forward to Sunday school beginning for our bridge students. So these are students grades four through six and our uh, youth students. These are students aged uh, seventh through 12th grade. Sunday school classes are going to resume on August 29th and will be held in the lower level of the church. You can find all of this and more about the mission and ministries of Stony Brook Church in the bulletin or through the weekly electronic announcements. Uh, the flowers on the altar today I'd like to draw your attention to are in uh, memory and celebration of the life of Jerry Richardson, 
whose uh, service was this past week. So we continue to hold Jerry's family in our hearts and in our prayers and remember and celebrate Jerry as we look at the flowers today. At this time, I'd like to invite Pastor David to come forward as we celebrate the commissioning of a new Stephen minister leader, John Hahn. Every Christian is called to care for others, and our Stephen ministry program here at Stony Brook is a powerful way that some have chosen to commit themselves to living out that care. Today, we'd like to recognize one who has completed their training to become a Stephen leader, uh, one who organizes, teaches, and helps to supervise our Stephen ministry uh, program. Uh, John Hahn has completed his training, and we congratulate him as a Stephen leader, and I ask for him to come forward, and all the Stephen uh, ministers who are present to come forward as well. And as a congregation, will you open your hearts to the ministry of our Stephen ministry program, and John as a Stephen leader, will you pray for him as a servant of Christ? If so, answer yes, with God's help. Yes, with God's help. I invite us now to lay hands on John while I offer this prayer for him. Gracious God, you have called John to a new path in caring ministry. You have gifted and empowered him for this task. Grant John joy in his service and a spirit of bold trust in you that his ministry may stir us to greater caring and more fruitful service. Help us all to be both willing servants, and thankful recipients of this important and essential ministry, so that your name may be glorified, your people live in peace, and your good and gracious will be done, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. And we are switching out his Stephen minister pen with a Stephen leader pen. And you're invited to um, stop out in the parking lot following worship and get to know a little bit more about Stephen ministry and get to know your Stephen uh, ministers in this congregation. Thanks again, John. Congratulations. Thank you. Friends, this truly is the day that God has given to us. I invite us now to be in worship together.
Please rise in body or in spirit as God calls us together for worship. You are invited to join me in our call to worship. Your responses are in bold. Give thanks to the Lord. Call upon the name of the Lord. God's love and mercy are given daily for each of us. God's forgiveness and tenderness are poured out for us. Praise be to God who deals so kindly with us. Lord, help us offer the same compassion to others. Amen. the gifts, one of the blessings of being a part of a global church is the impact that our missional ministries make on the world. The United Methodist Committee on Relief, what we commonly call UMCOR, is supported by United Methodists all over the world, and it offers disaster relief for communities in crisis. When you give to UMCOR, 100% of your donation goes to disaster relief. And so today, as we are praying for our brothers and sisters in Haiti, know that you can give to UMCOR through Stony Brook Church. Simply write UMCOR on the memo line of your check for your offering, or go online to stonybrook.church give. 
Will you join me in a spirit of prayer? Incline your ear to us, O God. Lean in, bend down, come near, for we need you. Life is scary. Sit beside us, allow our head to rest on your shoulder, wrap your arms around us. Warm us and comfort our hearts as we are desperate to just breathe. What is happening in the world, O God? The loss and devastation in so many places is almost too much to bear. Our hearts ache as we watch the death toll rise in Haiti. The fear of the fleeing Afghan people is palpable. The desperation can be felt deeply. How do they know you are with them? Are you showing up in the faces of the helpers? Have you imprinted something deep in their hearts so this is always a truth for them, no matter what? How scared are your people, O God? We pray that you're able to guide them forward no matter their fear. Help them to stay on the path of recovery. Help us to stay on the path of recovery too, O God, in every imaginable way. The pandemic continues to knock us around in unexpected ways, and it's easy for us to lose sight of your guidance. Shine your light a little bit brighter so we can see you clearly. Move us forward. Help us pick up our feet and take one step at a time. For that's all it takes, one little step at a time. Remind us of this truth when we feel overwhelmed by the pain and brokenness of the world. Remind us that you are a God who is always comforting and healing, creating and recreating for the world, for us. Thank you. Thank you for letting us rest for a moment on our journey. Thank you for listening to the pain of our hearts. We feel a little lighter, a little more rested. Thank you for granting us this. We pray all of this in the name of the one who comforts, heals, and journeys with us as we now join our voices together, praying the prayer that Christ Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
Thank you for your gift um, this morning. 
This morning's scripture lesson is a continuation of our look at the Moses story as a way for us to lean into our future. Um, This text comes from the 16th chapter of Exodus, verses 1 and 3, and this text happens right before God delivers the manna in the wilderness. I invite us to hear these words. The whole congregation of the Israelites set out from Elam, and Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. The whole congregation of the Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of bread. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Friends, this is the word of God for all God's children. Thanks be to God. Let us now respond to the word by singing together this verse of How Firm a Foundation. Thou who art over us, thou who art one of us, thou who simply art, give each of us a pure heart that we may see thee, a humble heart that we may hear thee, a heart of love that we may serve thee, and most of all, a heart of faith that we may always abide in thee. This is our hope. This is our prayer this day. Amen. Their thankfulness and their thankful ways of living had waned. It it wasn't bound to last. How many days had it been since their life-saving experience at the Red Sea? Forty-five days now of wandering in the wilderness. They really hadn't seen anything yet. They will be there for a long, long time. As Pastor Jennifer said last week, not a day, not a week, not a month, not as long as the current pan- length of the current pandemic, but decades, decades worth of wilderness. Not a day of disillusionment, but years and years. Not a season of wilderness and wandering, but for some, a generation or even a lifetime. Now, reading the accounts of the Hebrew people in the wilderness, one could get the impression that all they did was complain. (laughs) Last week, 
They were thirsty. And now they were hungry. (laughs) And to borrow a phrase from our previous sermon series, I'm sure that the Hebrew people had already asked Moses and Aaron multiple times, right? Are we there yet? (laughs) Why didn't they think that God would be consistent and caring and providing for them? Just think of all that they have witnessed and experienced up to this point in their journey. The plagues. Moses convincing Pharaoh to let them go. The the parting of the Red Sea. The defeat of the Egyptian army. And God providing safe drinking water. And yet, they were still not convinced. Now, complaining and grumbling is is an easy habit to acquire in the wilderness. Complaining is usually a symptom of something much more profound. The Hebrew people saw their circumstances, began to, to complain and grumble, got all sentimental about their past in Egypt, and then ultimately wanted to turn around and return to the way things had been before. God's promise had had faded from their consciousness and their memory. It was hard for the the Hebrew people to to imagine a future in which to lean, let alone ponder what what tomorrow might bring. It is is another one of the, the strongest temptations when we find ourselves in the wilderness only to turn back and return to whence we have come. However, this is not always the healthiest and wisest decision. And, and, and for the Hebrew people, there was, there was nowhere to return. When, when we face change or transition or, or wilderness, we too are tempted to look back to yesterday. And nostalgia is, is defined as a, as a sentimental longing for the past. It's defined as the art of of making the past seem better than it really was. For instance, I think we have all heard the phrase, the good old days. Someone once said, the good old days weren't that good, just old. (laughs) Pastor Matt Miofsky reminds us that, that the wilderness is a place where God can do some new things in us. But it's also a place of testing and temptation. And suppose that we are in the wilderness, or suppose that we're unsure that we're in the wilderness, or experiencing change and transition in our lives. In that case, he asks the question, what is the sign that we're being tempted in the wilderness? Well, he says it usually begins with grumbling and complaining. And to illustrate what what complaining can do to us and how it can distort our perspective, let us look at a little different version of of this wilderness story. It gives us a little more detail. You see, it's not what we think. It's not that they were in danger of starving. That was not the issue. This account is from the book of Numbers. It begins, the riffraff. Now, I don't think that's the New Revised Standard Version. 
of the text. I like this word. He says, the riffraff among them had a strong craving. Even the Israelites cried again and said, who will give us meat to eat? And then the nostalgia starts. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt for free. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. Now our lives are wasting away. There is nothing but manna in front of us. <laughs> Friends, sometimes we can't give all the zucchinis and cucumbers away. <laughs> but God had provided, but not in the ways that they had expected. They preferred fish and cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic. God had provided them quail for meat in the evening, and their fill of manna in the morning. Despite their ingratitude for salvation and the exodus and their, their uh, serious statements towards rejecting their emerging relationship with Moses and, and Aaron and God, God still provided. God sent manna. Every morning the food was there waiting for them. No hunting, no, no searching, no worrying, no anxiety, no, no starving. It was right there in front of them. Now, anytime we face change or transition or wilderness, anytime we face it in our own lives, we are tempted to react in the very same way. As quickly as we criticize or judge the Hebrew people for their thoughts and actions, a mirror emerges from out of nowhere and we see our own reflections. We are no different. And it doesn't matter if we are responsible for this change or this change is thrust upon us. We act no differently. As we lean into the future, the promise of God's presence and providence fades in our consciousness and in our memory as well. You know, that presence and, and providence of God is, are not always like we expect. And let me, let me preface this illustration because I'm sure you've heard it multiple times. It usually comes from the lips of a newly minted preacher who likely had just purchased their first book of sermon illustrations. But I found a version of this illustration that picks on pastors so you don't think I'm only picking on you this morning. But we can use this illustration against almost any change or transition or wilderness experience that we face, including this current pandemic. A storm descends on a small town, and the downpour soon turned into a flood. And the local pastor knelt in prayer on the church porch as, as the waters rose, surrounded by the water. And by and by, one of the townsfolk came up the street in a canoe. Better get in, pastor. The waters are rising fast. No, says the pastor. I have faith in God. God will save me. Still the waters rose. 
Now the pastor was up on the balcony. This, this can't be here because there's no balcony. Okay. All right. <laughs> We're safe. Now the pastor was up in the balcony, wringing his hands in supplication when another guy zipped by in a motorboat. Come on, pastor, we need to get you out of here. The levee is going to break any minute. Once again, the pastor was unmoved, literally and figuratively. (laughs) I shall remain. The Lord will see me through. (sighs) You know where this is going. After a while, the levee broke and the flood rushed over the church until only the steeple remained above water and the, the pastor was up there clinging to the cross when a, when a helicopter de- copter descended out of the clouds and a straight state trooper called down through his megaphone, Grab the ladder, pastor. This rescue is your last chance. And once again, the pastor insists that God will deliver him. Predictably, he drowns. A pious man, the pastor, goes to heaven. I wish there was a different ending to this, but there's not. (laughs) You think we would know this by now, but we don't. He goes to heaven, and, and after a while, he gets an interview with God. And he asks the Almighty God, I had unwavering faith in you. Why didn't you deliver me from the flood? God shakes God's head, right? What did you want from me? I sent you two boats and a helicopter. (laughs) God provides, right? God provides, sometimes in ways that we least expect. The Israelites didn't like their food options, (laughs) And sometimes we don't like the possibilities and the opportunities right in front of us. Friends, with so much going on in our world today, this illustration, too, underscores our responsibility as followers of Christ to be those who never give up and are willing to do all that we can to care and to reach out to those who find themselves in positions of vulnerability, and in positions of crisis, we, our job never ends. There are some important things that our faith and this morning's text can teach us about the providence of God. The first is what God provides. What God provides will always be enough. It's not necessarily always in abundance, but it will always be enough. And sometimes God's providence transcends this life. Our God is a God who calls us from death to new life. Friends, God's promises have not changed. The Hebrew people lost perspective. They lost vision and sight of God's promises and and provisions. They started to focus upon what they didn't have instead of what was right in front of them. They started focusing on how God supposedly wasn't showing up. 
And as soon as the Israelites stopped focusing on, on the God who had brought them this far, as soon as they stopped seeing the way in which God was blessing them and sustaining them, as soon as they stopped seeing the manna as the amazing gift that it was, as soon as they stopped seeing God as the provider of their daily sustenance, they did the only thing that was left to do. When you stop looking forward, you start looking back. Now there is nothing wrong or unhealthy about being nostalgic about the past. As long as you live in the present and focus on the future. Melissa and I found ourselves in the wilderness as we had never been before. Now, it was so easy for us to focus upon what we didn't have. Healthy infant twin daughters, their futures that were not guaranteed, and all of the what-ifs that come with a life-limiting diagnosis. For us, the girl's diagnosis of cystic fibrosis at age four months old was devastating. It was paralyzing. We stopped seeing the blessings that were all around us. We couldn't even look back or forward. We'd forgotten to look around to see how God was already providing for us. We had to wander in the wilderness for a while. We had, had to hear the, the, the promises and the, the prayers of others to get us there. Eventually, during our initial four-week hospital stay, we began to see how God was already providing for us. Providing daily and, and the nurses and the doctors and, and all of the hospital staff, even, even the easily overlooked folks who were greeting us at the door and those who were cleaning the hospital room. My wife, Melissa, still has a copy of a reading that the woman at the front door gave her on a very tough and challenging day. We never know the impact that we are making on another. It took us a bit, but we realized, we realized again how blessed we were to be surrounded by family and friends and neighbors in a church family. It's a horrible, time-consuming and involved disease. Yet we discovered that the girls were born at the right time and at the right place to have had cystic fibrosis. Thanks to science and advancements, thanks to drug trials and fast-tracking of medications with the FDA, thanks to research and discovery, thanks to advocacy and partnerships, we have so much for which to be thankful. God has provided and God continues to provide, sometimes not in the ways 
that we always expect. Today there is no cure, yet there are extraordinary ways of treating the symptoms and lessening the effects of the disease on their bodies. The life expectancy alone has increased literally decades since the girls were born, and their quality of life has improved tremendously. Friends, there's so much, so much behind the scenes for which we could grumble and complain, and yet there's so much, so much for which to be thankful. I ask you, in what ways, in what ways do we, each of us, need to be reminded of God's providence How has God provided for you? How does God continue to provide for you? When are we tempted to look back instead of forward? Our faith proclaims that God continues to provide. And we, each one of us, are an essential part, essential part of that. We are the hands of God and feet of Christ. We are given the responsibility to care for and to look after the best interests of others. Let me leave us with this to ponder this morning. You see, God's provision for the Hebrew people in the wilderness was not just once. But daily. And we pray for that same daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. But I wonder do we really understand for that which we are praying? Do we get it? It's really a bold and dangerous prayer for us to pray. We're not praying for what is in my best interest. We're not praying for what it's in it for us, for me individually. Not what is best for me, not what is best for you. But what is best for all of us. Together, give us this day our daily bread. Not give me this day my daily bread, but our daily bread. And friends, this bread brings life. And this bread, it's enough for all. Thanks be to God. As we watch this video from uh, Pastor Bob Thomas, as he speaks about the importance of endowment funding at Stony Brook Church and planning for our future, I invite you to consider, to think about, to reflect on the good things 
that God has done in and through you, and to think about the good things that can continue in our future by the ways that you contribute to the endowment fund. Thinking about the endowment, it's important to me uh, that Stony Brook now has an endowment because it helps the church to think more into the future. It provides um, funding for our dreams and it gives people a chance to contribute to a legacy, to uh, know that what we do here is important today, but also foundationally as we move into the future. Contributions to the endowment come from a variety of sources. This past Christmas, I received a really important gift, a gift to me that was given um, to the endowment uh, in my honor. And I was really pleased because the, the, the folks that gave the gift understood something that was important to my heart and the gift was given to the, to the music endowment, and I was pleased that that, that gift will continue to give uh, and contribute to the ongoing ministries here at Stony Brook. As we think about the endowment and what it will mean to Stony Brook in the future, it gives people a chance now to contribute to what's important, but also to make an investment in how Stony Brook will continue to be able to serve the community uh, for many, many years to come. Each person has an opportunity to make contributions to a variety of places. I hope that as you consider how you might participate in Stony Brook's endowment, that you remember uh, the good things that God has done for you and through you here at this place. And it gives each person a chance to invest in Stony Brook's ongoing ministry as we participate together in leaving a legacy and being the legacy for God in this place, literally and around the world. For these gifts which you have first given to us, we now generously, with gratitude in our hearts, offer them back to you. Do good things in and through these gifts so that this community and beyond may know of your great love in their lives. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
And now may the love and grace of God, which surpasses all of our understanding, keep our hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ. May the blessing of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit be among us this day and remain with us forever. Amen.